tea. Hello. Hello. Welcome. This is We Read Books Presents. We watched movies. Bow, bow, bow. Yay. <laughs> Uh, this is a special episode where we are going to talk about the movie adaptations of the books we've already read. It's a blessing and a curse to see the thing that you read and loved put on the big screen. <laughs> we've got some winners and we've got some losers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're just going to be covering the books that we've read up until this point. I don't That's know right. if we'll do this. Uh, for every grouping, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. And you'll find out eventually. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> if you can never get one of these again, you've got your answer. Right. <laughs> Basically, you'll find out when we find out. That's right. We're making zero promises ever about anything. <laughs> <laughs> never make a promise, never let anyone down. That's right. <laughs> we are keeping expectations low. At least medium. <laughs> At least, but, yeah. But low. <laughs> low medium. Smedium. <laughs> On a simmer, if you will. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Um, also, you can visit the socials. We've got Instagram, at We Read Books Pod. TikTok, at We Read Books Pod. And our email, we read books pod two three at gmail.com. Whoop whoop. So Oh and uh, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Oh right. This That's... could be the first episode you're <laughs> listening to. If so, hello, welcome. Welcome. That's Whitney. And that is Maddie. Yay. <laughs> and we're here to talk about some movies. Yes. Um so, I guess, to catch you up to speed thus far, we have covered, number one, Pride and Prejudice. Excellent. Number two. Well, we read Verity, but there's no film for that. We're not disappointed about that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like at this point, if there is a film, won't be watching. Unless with the expectation that it's going to be a laugh. <laughs> Because if the if the book was boring, I can imagine the movie will be too. You'd have to turn it into a game. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, our third book was Discovery of Witches, and that is not actually a f movie; it's a show. Um, so we watched the first episode of that show. Yes, the other episodes costed money, so <sighs> that's right. The first one, it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I. Understand that they're doing that so that they can hook you in. Yeah. And then you'll pay for the subscription so you can finish the show. But yes. I mean, that's kind of, don't be such cheapskates. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna put it on Amazon, make it part of yeah. the Prime subscription. Exactly. Don't exactly. make me go subscribe to AMC or yeah. Shutter or whichever was. one it is. Yeah. <laughs> Come get it together. Was 19, yeah, 1984 yeah. was our fourth book. So we read 1984. It has a film that came out in 1984. Mm -hmm. it, I, it was cool because, and I guess I could have saved this for later, but I'm going to tell you now. 
it was cool because at the end of the movie, there was a line where they said that it was filmed in the setting and in the year that the book was intended to be set in, which mm-hmm. I thought that was cool that they intentionally did that. You know, yeah. they they shot it in the same place that the book was set Yes, in the same year, so... It makes you wonder how long, like, that filmmaker was, like, contemplating that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder that, too. He read 1984 when he was in high school, like a lot of people do, and then he's Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I am going into filmmaking someday. I'm going to make this film in 1984. (laughs) Yes. If you don't, you miss the opportunity. Yeah, you have one chance. Yes. To do it. I will say that, you know how, like, when you're watching a movie on streaming and it'll say, like, the, sometimes it'll show the year that it came out? Mm-hmm. It said 1985, and part of me thought, one, that's inaccurate, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but even if it wasn't, I mean, as long as it was filmed in 1984, I think that's yeah. perfectly acceptable. But yeah, and I, I don't think, know. I think it was filmed in 1984. Yeah. It just maybe and didn't get released until 1985. Potentially, yeah. Either way. But we're going to count it as 1984. Yeah, and you get points. Yeah. That is a point-worthy effort right there. I agree. Um, Our next book was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. So, obviously, we have seen that film many times. (laughs) And to round out today's uh, coverings, we're going to talk about The Hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Amazing book. Uh, yes, the book is quite amazing. We will save our criticisms <laughs> for, for later. For later. <laughs> so stay tuned <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, okay, so Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. We actually did like a movie marathon and watched these two films together. We did. It was, it was fun. It was super fun. And um, both films were a real win, actually. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I, I think we did talk about the film a little bit in our synopsis, but I, yeah, I don't think, mind repeating myself. Yeah, I, I think intermittently we talked yeah, about it. Yeah, I, the, the book was so good, and truly the movie just made me fall in love with it even more. Yeah. It, and I love when a movie can enrich what you've already read, mm-hmm. like deepen the things that you felt for the book. So yeah. I I thought this one was such a win. It just it was just so spectacular. I loved I it. The acting, yeah. the just the everything. Everything was <laughs> so good. Uh I thought I think particularly the score of that movie is just so lovely. Yeah. And I can hear just that song and it makes me like feel like mm-hmm. I'm at Longbourn. So, which is exactly what you want in the score of a film. Yes. You know, you hear the Lord of the Rings intro, the Star Wars intro, Harry Potter, all of them iconic. And I think yeah. this film's score is the same. Makes you feel something. For me. Yeah. I think that one is another one of those. I know it's not a big grand movie necessarily, not like a Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, but I think that that one would be especially cool to do the viewing with the orchestra playing at the same time. Yeah. I just, I think it would make it very immersive. I I, agree. I think that would be super cool. Yeah. And it's such like a... It's like a it's a comfort watch for me. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice, which is the two thousand five film. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen that movie like 
10 times probably it's like a comfort watch it's yeah yeah i can absolutely see that now i didn't watch the miniseries but you have i've watched the miniseries a couple times colin firth plays mr darcy and i love colin firth i'll watch him in almost anything me too (laughs) um so it's it's excellent too I think there are some things that the miniseries maybe did a little bit better, Mm -hmm. but it's it's six hours long, right? Of course, right. But they made the best out of the extra time. They didn't waste it. Exactly, they didn't waste it. I think the really the main thing that stands out to me is the actress who plays Lydia Mm -hmm. in the miniseries. I prefer to okay the Lydia from the 2005 film. She just, she plays that, like, silly un- inability to read the room. Just more convincingly? Yeah, she played it better uh, than the in the new in the newer film. The other, she did kind of feel, like, purposefully ignorant. Like, she almost, it was like she knew it was appropriate, but she was going to do what she wanted to anyway. Mm-hmm. Whereas I feel she's written more so that she is just completely unaware. Yeah, of I other think, people. I think that's that's. So like, I, I see what yeah. you're saying. It's like the essence of Lydia is that she it's she's not a malicious character. She's just a hundred percent in her own world mm-hmm. and just disregards. The mm-hmm. cares or needs or wants of other people because nothing else matters. So yeah. she's just, you know, that's it doesn't Lydia. even occur it to just, her. <laughs> she has no concept right. of like manners or anything else. Like yeah. it, it literally is, is not a thought she's ever had is yeah. to consider someone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in the miniseries, that actress just plays that very well cool very cool i definitely need to give it uh, a watch i almost bought it at v stock the other day it was only eight dollars i don't know why i passed on it i think it was because at the time i had a subscription to hulu and i thought oh i'll just go watch it on the thing i already pay for (laughs) but i just canceled my subscription because my shows are done for the summer so i think i'm gonna have to go back to v stock and buy it now yeah (laughs) Highly recommend. And Colin Firth plays a perfect Mr. Darcy. I mean, I think Matthew McFadden, who plays in the 2005 film, also a perfect Mr. Darcy. Oh my gosh. He made me melt on the inside. <laughs> I Yeah, I do think in the Keira Knightley film, uh, Matthew McFadden, I do think he has more of a... Era appropriate? Well, um, no. Colin Colin's pretty... Firth, he looks or, very... Or Firth. I said Farrell. <laughs> Those Collins. <laughs> yeah, Colin Firth does do, like, period work very well. Yes. Um, I just felt like uh, Matthew McFadden, it just, he feels more, like, um, handsome to me. Mm-hmm. I think Colin Firth is incredibly handsome, mm-hmm. but for some reason... He just I has just, a something about him. Yeah, he just has a little something about him. Yeah. Yeah. And more like, I don't know. Because Darcy in the book is supposed to be, like, very, very handsome. Mm-hmm. And when I see Matthew McFadden, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Approved. <laughs> yeah. 
I guess maybe when I see Colin Firth, I think of him older. Yes, I, I think it. that that's it. Absolutely. Even though at the time of the miniseries, he was young. He was the appropriate <laughs> age. Just <Yeah>. we've <laughs> probably originally experienced him yeah. as yeah. older than us. Exactly. Like old enough to like be a parent. He's like between my parents and my grandparents. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's what I think of Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. But Matthew McFadden seems like he's my age. Right. Even though he is probably also my older. Age. <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. There's just certain <laughs> actors that, I don't know, you just, you're like, yes. And then other ones, you're like, you're attractive, but the. Yeah. The, he just, there's something you there's, can connect to with yes, him even yeah. more so than Colin Firth. Which, yeah. Which is so funny because, like, when I, I think Brad Pitt is probably close in age to Colin Firth, mm-hmm. but when I think of Brad Pitt, I do not think of him as being old, so much older than my parents. Yeah. he's like almost 60. Oh but, my God. <laughs> I know. But when I think Brad Pitt, I think of Tyler Durden from True. Fight Club. Yes. Uh, that's hands down my favorite movie of all time is Fight Club. And That's a good one. I mean that when I think Brad Pitt, I think Fight Club. Yes. So true. Or Legends of the Fall when he has the long hair. Yeah. That was probably like the first swoon I've ever done in my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got the long right. hair on the right. horse and I'm just like. I don't know if it was. I, I've always attributed that movie to being sad. So oh, I didn't watch so it much. <laughs> my mom hates it because it's. She's like everyone dies. Yeah. And I'm like. So. <laughs> Do you see him? (laughs) The hair? Are you kidding me? Yeah. When it's kind of in a ponytail and it's a little bit coming out of it? Yeah. Not doing it for you because it's really working for me. Right. (laughs) Fun fact, my uh, cousin is named Tristan after Tristan from Legends of the Fall, which is Brad Pitt's character. Nice. Like specifically Specifically, named Tristan because of that character, not just... Oh, their name's the same. No, it was chosen. Yes. For that reason. Specifically, yep. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. But. Is that what they cut, like, is it like a joie de vivre, like something about someone that's just. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I I do not know French, so I don't know what that translates to, but I just feel (laughs) like that's one of those words people use when someone has a something. Has a certain something you can't name. Yeah. It's a joie de vivre. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think Brad Pitt is Probably the definition of joie de vivre, (laughs) in my opinion. I think he is for a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, the epitome. Uh, And he's, like, also funny, Mm -hmm. which is kind of like, why is that fair that you... Too many traits. Yeah, why? Why why are you all so funny? (laughs) Too many desirable traits in one person. (laughs) It's it's unfair. Like, in the new movie with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, like, Mm -hmm. what is that? Lost City? Yes! (laughs) And he's only in it for a little bit, but she's like, why are you so handsome? And he's like, my dad's a weatherman. (laughs) Hilarious. That's not an explanation, but it... yeah. Works. I My feel like it was man. it was a big surprise for people too when Chris Hemsworth, who plays Thor, mm-hmm. came out and like did SNL and like started doing funny things. People were like, and he's also funny. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> and he can also sing. I haven't heard him sing, but of course he can. That's of course so, he can. That's so annoying. 
Like, get get out of here. And he's, like, the fittest person on the planet yeah. as far as, like, he literally does any, it seems as if he does, like, any and every sport activity mm-hmm. yeah. on the planet. He's just <sighs> killing me over here. I know. I know. <laughs> it's the height of annoying. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's like, we were talking about Ben Barnes the other day. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that he's up. Like, he's arguably, in my opinion, like one of the best looking actors. Mm-hmm. He just has the face. He's got that thing. And <laughs> he's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. And he's also a musician mm-hmm. and sings. Like yeah. he plays the piano, which he, I think... To me, the most attractive instrument that a man can play is the piano. Mm-hmm. And he plays the piano and sings. And I'm like, oh my god, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> the piano is a very romantic instrument, isn't uh, it? Yes. That's yeah. probably why I'm like really drawn to it more so than your... Because a lot of people give a lot of hype to like guitar players. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. I was going to say guitar player is kind of a big one for it's, a lot of yeah. people. but Oh, he's a guitar player. <laughs> And I'm just like, listen, sure, but you know what? The piano. Play the piano for me, and then we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> listen, all bets are off. Right. Get those keys going. <laughs> Especially if you got Ben Barnes's face. <laughs> so true. <laughs> uh, it's it's disgusting, really. Yes. It's disgusting. But, and he plays the Darkling too. He like yeah. also plays. The villain. Yeah. He can play a very convincing good guy and a very convincing, very manipulative, but also still very, like, suave. Alluring. Alluring bad guy. Yeah, exactly. It's annoying. (laughs) He annoys me so much. Enjoyable and annoying. (laughs) Ben, quit it. Just knock it off. Just stop. (laughs) But don't. But stop. No, I mean, yeah, I'm going to consume it all, but... It helped the rest of us if you stopped. <laughs> You're making us all look bad. Right. Uh, before we move on, we will mention Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies oh, as yes. well. Yes. Um, I, the longer I've had to consider, because I actually saw Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies before I read the book and before I watched the other film. And in comparison, it, it I mean, it, it's a fail. Uh, not a fail. It's not a fail. I'm sorry. That was too harsh. <laughs> it's just a different level of movie. Yes. It just, I, I, it really does, although I think that the actors that were chosen were really well casted, I think that you do miss some of the emotion. And that's not to say that they didn't play the emotions well. I just feel like the added stuff kind of takes away from that line in the film for me anyway but I enjoy the extra action I think that the the fighting stuff is especially you know a cool thing that they added in that rather than them not having a governess being a thing that like was kind of held against them it was more so that or in this it was oh well they they trained this form of martial arts and not this form and the ones that were taught this way were like you know deemed very wealthy and well to do and then these other you know the other people that did the other training well they obviously didn't have as much money but they believe that that training was actually 
better combat train. You know, it was just yeah. it was it was a fun like little added yeah I separation. It. I I thought it was enjoyable. I'm trying to look up the. I know this won awards. I just need to find them. Um, I thought that Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was really interesting, mm-hmm. um, and I became even more interested when you said that Matt Smith was in it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but the the other actor who plays Mr. Collins does also an incredible job. Like they yes. both. <laughs> yes, I feel like I might have been biased in favor of Matt Smith because mm-hmm. I watched house of the dragon Mm -hmm. and i loved him as daemon targaryen he's just so like extra cheeky and to me a bit more attractive so then i feel less bad for (laughs) for elizabeth's friend (laughs) who marries him (laughs) when it's matt smith you're like yeah but it's but it's matt smith so so it's okay yeah yeah um and i feel like the wickham in Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies is, um, I mean, obviously I saw it first, so that's how I pictured him. But just he he really is just so smarmy. And the other guy, the other guy just kind of has a sweeter face. And I don't believe him being that type of person as easily. Yeah. 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 But maybe that's the point. You aren't Mm -hmm. supposed to look at him and go, oh, no. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, yeah, the, uh, Will, uh, Wickham, I want to say Willoughby, because Willoughby is from, uh, Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> um, Wickham is so much greasier. Yes. Ooh, yes, greasy, yes. It's like the, the hair, and his hair is dark. I don't, I can't remember if he's supposed to be a blonde in the book. I've read remember. it so many times, but mm-hmm. and he has that like big chiseled jaw. Yeah, he's you know very that whole. On. Yes, <laughs> yes. So yeah, um, and the the Mister Collins in the mini series is very similar to the Mister Collins in the Kieran Knightley film. Mm-hmm. Like they're the way they look, it's yeah. very similar. Yeah. Um. So I, the Mister, the way that. They had him act that part in the 2005 version. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, so it's like it's so unhinged. It's perfect, Mr. Collins. It is. So when I read Pride and Prejudice now, that's who I like pictures. Mr. Uh-huh. Collins. That the haircut, the hat, <laughs> haircut. Uh, it's also the way it that is he good. talks. Mm-hmm. Like that weird speech pattern. Yes. Nailed. Nailed. It is nailed. I'm sitting here still feeling guilty that I called (laughs) PPZ a fail. It's not a fail. (laughs) No. It just didn't. It's a fun one. It doesn't capture the same feeling, but, or completely, but Mm -hmm. I still think it's so great, so fun, Mm -hmm. and it had like the essence is there. It's just it doesn't yeah. go as deep for me. Yeah. But it's a it's a fun movie, and I'm yeah, for sure. I w- I would rewatch it for sure. Oh yeah. Um. Also, interestingly, Bridget Jones' Diary is a Pride and Prejudice retail- retelling. Is it? Yeah. I've never seen it. Which is you've never seen it? Uh-uh. Oh, Colin Firth plays I was the say- Darcy, <laughs> and he there's like one scene where um. 
He's wearing like a Pemberley shirt. No, he's so, not. Yeah, it's that's like a, so cute. It's really. I really like they, and there are like sequels that I have not seen and don't care to. Mm-hmm. But the first one and the book is good too. It's mm-hmm. like epistolary kind of like journals. Oh, okay. Her journal entries, but uh, yeah, Bridget Jones. There, it's a fun movie, and um, of course, I'm forgetting his name. He's a British actor. He's in... Oh, Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. He plays the Wickham character. His name isn't Wickham. Okay. But he's he plays the Wickham character, and he's, like, her boss. She's, like, a... Works at a TV studio, mm-hmm. and he's her boss, and he makes, like, really inappropriate, like, comments to her all the time about, Ooh. like, her ass, and her, it's gross. But See, she's, like, into it, kind of. Yeah. So, you I was going to say, from the I outside, mean. I always thought it was, like, a love triangle movie. So yeah, I did. It, I had no idea that it was like kind of a Pride and Prejudice mm-hmm. adaptation. So yep. that's very interesting. And Colin Firth plays like the Mr. Darcy character, and he's a lawyer mm-hmm. and like a family friend or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's re- it's really good. Yeah. It's like a fun like it's got the rom com vibe yeah. to it. Right. I'll but. have to give it a try. I don't do a lot of rom coms. Yeah. But there's certain ones that hit an extra note that like make them good yeah for me but. yeah i don't uh i don't know that there are rom-coms that i will watch more than once yeah but when dakota's out of town oftentimes i will watch like really sappy hallmark films <laughs> and just like i don't just yeah you know yeah feel it there's just a handful that i i'm more of a action, thriller, mm-hmm. you know, mystery movie type person. But every once in a while, like, I I always, whenever I think of, like, good rom-coms, like, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days always comes yeah. to mind. That's a fun one. Just because the actors, mm-hmm. the story is kind of different. I mean, you still have the, they meet, there's conflict, they break yes. up, they get back together, you know. Yeah. But at least there's, I don't know, there's good acting, there's humor in there, you know, mm-hmm. there's there's a little bit more than your basic formula. And yeah. it's interesting enough. Yeah. So. I mean, and I know, like, a lot of people will um, comfort read, uh, like, romance novels or smut, mm-hmm. which is not, like, my gig. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when Dakota's out of town, uh, watching, like, Sappy Hallmark films yeah. is my gig. It's just yeah. because I I don't like to watch um, thrillers or horror films whenever I'm gonna sleep in this house by myself. Heck to the no. So, um, and they're just yeah, just like you know what? Yeah, I definitely wouldn't do that I'm either. A, I'm gonna peruse the Hallmark channel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I if yeah, I like to listen to like thriller things during the day. That is not something I would listen to at night or alone. <laughs> yeah. It's just And especially like the, this house is like old and it's got so many like sp- like spaces mm-hmm. and rooms. Mm-hmm. So it's just not it's not cool. Heck no. Heck no. But uh, I I support this choice. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the dogs, it's just yeah. like a Yeah, no, I'm not yeah. going to it's it's a smart choice, yeah. not not instilling yourself with fear. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a good that's so either I watch CrossFit and eat a shit ton of food. <laughs> no, I will tell you right now, there is almost nothing as satisfying as getting takeout. 
from all of your favorite places at one time, make all the stops, and then come home, spread all of it out, and then watch a two-hour documentary about the fittest people on earth and watch them work out. <laughs> While you eat whatever you want. That's right. I mean, usually my go-to is like mushrooms from Siki and sushi from Mint and ice cream from Andy's and maybe another like dish in there like an appetizer sort of like an appetizer sort yeah. of thing mm-hmm. or uh like a full carb mm, yeah 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 that's and some peanut m&ms i need to add this sort of routine to my life yeah i don't know that i would watch crossfit people which i do <laughs> watch crossfit people sometimes but I don't know if I want to watch a documentary while stuffing my face. Yeah. <laughs> it's it seems like it would make you feel shitty. Mm-hmm. It does not. Well, that's because well, those CrossFit people shitty. are constantly eating. That's right. They are constantly. <laughs> oh so, yeah. And makes that's, sense. that's the good thing about CrossFit and like those documentaries specifically, like the Fittest on Earth is, mm-hmm. and they're all kind of a variation of that. The Fittest on Earth, Fittest Next Gen, whatever. Um, it follows the prof- the pros, mm-hmm. and we watch it every single year. Mm-hmm. Every year the new one comes out, we watch it. Nice. And uh, there, there's just something about that specifically that doesn't f- make you feel like you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, a lot of <laughs> fitness docs yeah. just make you feel terrible. You're yeah. like, God, I'm a- just over here. This is horrible. But for some reason, watching those CrossFit documentaries does not yeah. make me feel that way. Good. That's awesome. I don't know. It can't no. just be me. No, no. I mean, <laughs> we've we've watched videos. I can't remember his last name. Will something. He does, like, fitness challenges and stuff on YouTube. He's really funny. Um, but he adds, like, good fitness tips in there or whatever. But, like, sometimes he'll do, like, food videos. And whenever I watch a video of someone eating, I'm immediately, like, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I get it. I do. Oh, yeah. All CrossFit. The new film for last year's CrossFit Games should be coming out soon, like within the next month or so, I would say. So get on it, Keep my eyeballs on that. Yeah. (laughs) There are a ton of them out now. Nice. So if you're interested, they're usually free on either... You can find free ones. The newer ones are not, but Mm -hmm. like the older ones you can find on Amazon or Apple TV, I think. And YouTube, of course. Nice. So. Cool. Speaking of fitness, Discovery of Witches. <laughs> Discovery of Witches. I mean, it kind of tracks. She's an athlete. Diana, yeah, I was going to say, Diana is a very fit woman. She's an athlete. So, the show. First episode. Yeah, the only one we watched. Uh, they they threw a lot in there, even though it's a show mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. room to breathe. They did throw a lot of information at you mm-hmm. that I feel they could have just let naturally unfold. Unfold, but I they agree. threw it at you. I agree. It wasn't it wasn't bad, you guys. Uh, I think the show itself is probably fairly good, mm-hmm. but for me, because I'm a nut. And I'm a little uh, hyper fixated on this type of thing. Like when a show deviates a lot from the source material, that's all I can focus on. Mm -hmm. 
even though the production of the show is actually really nice mm-hmm. and well done, yeah. the actors are doing a pretty decent job, or at least the main ones are. Mm-hmm. Um, but those deviations from that main plot or characters doing things that I'm like, that, I think that's against the rules, right? Like, I just... Yeah. It, it irked me to the point that I couldn't fully just enjoy it. I agree. Um, I... I think that the the cinematography is done really well. It mm-hmm. looks great. They yes. make Oxford look amazing. They do. Which I'm sure it's very scenic anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but um I thought they cast mo- I really enjoyed Diana mm-hmm. and that she was cast really well. Um Miriam and Marcus. Mm-hmm. I also they're you only see them a little bit. Yeah. But I thought they were fine. Um, I didn't love who they cast for Matthew, personally. I felt like he needed to be more handsome. <laughs> and I actually thought they casted really well. I I think he's handsome, but I also think he just has the air about him that Matthew exudes, like... It, I, he's the type of person that I imagined when reading Matthew. Even though they were like, oh, he's so attractive. I didn't picture the most attractive man in my head. I just kind of, I don't I don't know how to describe it. Mm-hmm. I just. <laughs> yeah, no, I get what you more, mean. Uh, more, I, I pictured more of his, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. But yeah. when they're like, he's super hot. I don't just like think of an actor that's super attractive. I just mm-hmm. try and kind of take personality traits and him being is he british english he's french french yes okay sorry god guys it's been a minute <laughs> since i read the book i'm really sorry but yeah just him I, I yeah just him being you know french and just like his personality traits i don't know just looking at the actor they chose like my brain went yeah yeah that works for me <laughs> but i've yeah. always thought that actor was was cute he just has a a way about him yeah I uh, have never seen him in anything prior. I just um, pictured Matthew as larger, being more, yeah. having more of a stature to him. And I do think that the actor had a movement mm-hmm. about him yeah. that felt like Matthew would move, like a grace. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I always assume that vampires and anything are really graceful. Yeah. So I always picture a sort of like fluidity to the way that they move. And I feel like he was able to do that. Mm -hmm. I just felt like Matthew is larger. Yeah. Has a more imposing kind of stature. Yes. I I do. I do agree that that would have been a good trait to cast. Yeah. So that was main, my main kind of like, couldn't get over. Yeah. I feel like Matthew's bigger, though. Yeah. Matthew's larger than that. But... They did emphasize his, like, height and size a lot. You're right. So that was, like, my main issue. And I... He just looked a little regular. Yeah. I get that. I get that. um, But casting is really the least of this show's problems. (laughs) Yes. Like, and and as much as I like the actress they chose for Diana, I, I didn't care for... The the things they made her do. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, 
They made, so her and, is it Jillian? Yeah. They made her and Jillian, like, friends Mm -hmm. rather than just... Acquaintances. Acquaintances or colleagues. Like, you know, Jillian, in my mind, was more of a person that, you know, was also like, wink, wink, I'm a witch, come to the thing tonight, you know, but they weren't friends or friendly, not someone she would confide in, and they kind of have her confide in Jillian how she feels about magic Mm -hmm. and using magic, and that just... And I think it was implied that that's kind of, like, dangerous, Mm -hmm. like, for her to talk about magic outside of Aunt Sarah and Em, Mm -hmm. like... It seems like they ha- always kind of, like, kept that really, like, close mm-hmm. to the vest. Or at least she did. She did. And, yeah, she did for sure. And so even though, like, Jillian knows that Diana is a witch, it's not something that, she, in the book, she, Diana certainly would not no. but she, give so any she, of that yeah. away. So she confines in her about that. And then she also goes and has a drink with her friend from the library and is, like, telling him about her parents' death and mm-hmm. how... people killed them because they thought they were witches. Yeah, which is actually a conversation that she has with Matthew. Yeah. So there's really no reason that they needed to add that scene because later on she has that conversation with Matthew. And she's having this conversation with a human. I understand she's not saying, I'm a witch, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just a no-no in general to like even allude to connection to witches and magic with humans so uh, that it was moments like that where it just felt like oh you're doing this to tell me information you want me to know not because this is a good facilitation of the story right is is how it felt to me yeah like they were trying to info dump without info dumping yeah 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 Uh, and i meant to say when we were on matthew i did like at the end of the episode like when he was like you know, he was all, like, predatored up yeah, or whatever. At, His hackles at, were up for whatever reason. At the rowing yes. place or whatever. And, you know, he was kind of like, you need to go now. Mm-hmm. Walk. Do not run. Like, I thought he did that predator kind of taming himself thing very well. Yeah. So, which we... wasn't a complaint of the book. We just felt like we wanted to see more of it. So, like, seeing that in the show, I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. They definitely... The show definitely... And it, I didn't watch any farther than that yeah, but it, de- it definitely like has an opportunity to sh- to convey that he is as like dangerous as mm-hmm. it's claimed in the book yeah like you could see they they showed you his stalking of her and watching her from afar mm-hmm. and and all that stuff that we felt like we kind of had to miss out on because we were mo- more focused on the story from diana's point of view yeah so that was a bit of a plus but the stuff with the book was fine, but then they added funky little magical uh, hiccups, and then her magic was, quote-unquote, like she did it accidentally rather than intentionally mm-hmm. refrained from, just only used, you know, when she had to. Yeah. And, and then the parts that felt cheesy and, like, a sci-fi show, don't get me wrong, I love sci-fi, the channel... Mm-hmm. They, they've done some cool stuff, but also just sci-fi as a genre, genre in general. I love it. Um, but the part where you see Knox, like, recruiting Satu, like, mm-hmm. and then having that meeting with Jillian and whoever that other lady was, mm-hmm. I, that just felt, again, like, corny. And we're just plugging this in so we can tell you who these people are, like, 
rather yeah. than letting it unfold in a story. I, I, I don't know. That yeah. part kind of annoyed me as well. I really... Actually, whenever there it gets to the scene where Peter Knox goes to the woods mm-hmm. and he's like recruiting Satu, I was so confused. Me too. Like, <laughs> until it's like, he, what is this? <laughs> until he like addresses her as Satu, yeah. I was like, who is this? Yeah. We never went to a remote cabin in the woods. No. We we met Satu when Diana met Satu when she was yeah. snatched off the ground. Yeah, like towards <laughs> the latter part of the book. I was just confused. I'm sad that I didn't get to see um, Matthew's mother. Yep. That, that, was a, that was a miss for me. But Oh, and then the other thing... With Marcus, he's, like, walking with a friend, and he gets hit by a car Mm -hmm. and dies, and then Marcus tries to turn him, and it's this whole thing, and then him and Matthew have a fight, like, why didn't you tell me that we couldn't turn vampires, da-da-da-da. Again, it was one of those moments that it felt shoehorned in because they wanted to tell you something rather than just tell you as the story unfolds. Like, I just felt like the scene was unnecessary with Mm -hmm. the friend, and it to me, it didn't really fit Marcus's character right. as I knew him. Like, he seems more even-keeled. And, yeah. um, and so I just, it just, it, he didn't really fit for me. And I can't really say why other than maybe it was that moment. I was mm-hmm. like, that's I, not yeah. Marcus for me. But That scene was so unnecessary. It was so, it was so poor poorly done yeah like yeah it just it would have been so much better to just wait until they did the blood test until they did the blood testing and when they literally tell diana Mm -hmm. that the reason that they want ashmole 782 is because they're looking for answers yeah yeah and then another thing that i just remembered um her and jillian being friends it's gonna be a whole lot harder for them to explain away her just, like, going, oh, you killed her? No big. Right. Before it was like, yeah, she was an acquaintance. She kind of got on my nerves and was a little pushy. Yeah. You know? Not to say that she said any of that in the book, but you know what it's I mean? Implied. Like, it implied. And, and it's sort of like, you know, she threatened me. Like, you know, she mm-hmm. sort of understood it. But yeah. how are they going to explain that away? Yeah. They're friends. She confides in her. Yeah. And if they're friends, what could possess Jillian to threaten Diana? Like, why would she whisper in her ear in the library about her parents being killed by witches? Like, why? Yeah, she would. Would a friend do that? Now, she does rat her out, and I could... That at least seems motivated by fear Mm -hmm. of the coven and our other witches or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't think about that either. It's like, so when are you going to threaten her, and how is... How is that? I mean, is that just going to be like a, a villain turn for you then? Like, yeah. how are you? Are they probably have Knox do it? Yeah. In the show, which is lame because then what's the motive to kill Jillian? Right. Yeah, uh, and, and obviously we're haven't seen it, but just yeah. from the first episode, we just I, I personally just see a, a few bumps in this road that yeah. uh, I'm not keen to <laughs> continue. Yeah. I haven't literally thought about it at all, so 
if that says anything. Yeah. <laughs> it bothered me while watching and then Yeah. I found it irksome during and yeah. then as soon as it was over I was like, beep, all right. <laughs> let's go do something else now. Right. right. So yeah. I agree. So unfortunately, but you know what? It must be doing okay because all three of the current books in the series are now in the show. Yeah, good. So it's got all three seasons. Good. So. I heard, and I don't remember where, so maybe I shouldn't even say, but I heard that they wrap up the third season, because I don't know if there's supposed to be more books, but I heard that they wrap things up differently than the books or something. Well, that's a real downer. But I'm not sure. Don't mm -hmm. hold me to that, guys. I just remember hearing something about them wrapping it up a little differently. I, I don't know if it's because they're done with the show, but the books are still going to continue. I, I feel like that's what I heard. Mm. But this is literally off the top slash random far reach in my dome that I don't have a full grasp on. So <laughs> take it with the tiniest grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. You know what? I will never understand why showrunners make those kinds of, de of decisions. Yeah. Like, I, there is Brandon Sanderson obviously has a TikTok, and obviously I follow Brandon Sanderson. Um, but he has like a few TikToks where he talks about um, movie adaptations and how and why certain uh, choices are made mm -hmm. because. You can't adapt straight from page to film because some things from books simply will not work right on screen, which I think all book readers understand. Mm -hmm. um, as long as you do it well, yeah, in a way that makes sense. There's we get it. Yeah, there's an overall essence that you just simply have to capture. Right, and I feel like my rule of thumb when when I'm watching like a book to movie adaptation if they're taking things out i accept it mm -hmm. like there are just certain things that can, when you have especially for films mm -hmm. there are just things you can't fit in yeah and everybody is going to understand that yes and that's why they can keep the two mediums separate yes it one doesn't have to affect how you feel about the other yeah but when you add things mm -hmm. that are not in the book that is always a problem. Right. Because you took things out because of time. Yes. But not, but you added something else in, in its right. place? Right. No, thank you. Yeah. It, I am never, I n never appreciate that. Mm. Never. Mm -mm. When they change a character, no. Mm -mm. When they add a scene that was not in the books, no. Mm -hmm. You automatically lose me when you do that. Now, if you're combining multiple scenes into one, so you restructure something, maybe. Yeah. Let's see how you do it. Yeah. But don't just add extra yeah. for cinematic sake. Like, yeah. I I'm not going to appreciate you for that. If no. it's not going to be true to the story, I don't want it. Exactly. Mm -mm. Exactly. And I think that's where you have a lot of missteps in, yeah. like, in Discovery of Witches. I think that's why this episode in particular, obviously, I don't know about the rest, but mm -hmm. uh, it suffers because they're adding things that were not there. So yeah. then it confuses what you know about this this overarching plot. Right. So, and right. I think Game of Thrones suffered from that. Yeah. Heavily. 
And there, I feel like there are, you know, it's like this, they're assuming you've never read, to me, they're assuming you've never read yeah. the book. So they're trying to give you as much information as possible. Right. Whereas um, the next one we're going to talk about, 1984, mm-hmm. I feel like it's to your benefit to have read the book. I don't believe that you have to have had mm-hmm. um, read the book to um, understand the movie. But they don't do a lot of explaining. Yeah. It just, you you see and experience the things that are going on, and that is meant to be your understanding. Like, yeah. if there are movies that people think there's incredible amounts of exposition just to catch you up, I don't feel like 1984 does that right. at all. You yeah. get it in context and moments of the character writing in their diary or, or kind of speaking in their own head, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel like they're like, oh, let me tell you this. Yeah. It's just, it, it's part of the story. But, um, I mean, obviously the movie leaves a lot out because a lot of it is like, you know, from Winston's point of view and right. in his head or whatever, but it does, um, it does do an incredible job of placing you in that time and place. Like you feel the oppression, you feel the looming eye of that mustached face. Yeah. And the screens. Like when I was reading it, I was imagining like a small old box TV. Mm-hmm. And the movie, there are these huge screens, screens that are like the size of a wall. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes it even more overlooming. And yeah. There were some odd changes. Like um, they don't explain. Again, like, they don't explain a lot, so you really benefit better from it. But I don't feel like you need to have. Mm -hmm. But, like, they say that, like, Julia is in the pornography section or whatever. They don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) really expand on what that means. And she's not really in the pornography section. Because there is the book. no pornography. You, exactly. <laughs> so they I don't, thought, sex is not. So I thought that on. was a really weird choice. So I was yeah. like, well, she's in the, it's not, is it? It's isn't like, called fiction, it, but it's she like she yeah. writes like the, the place that writes like the music and yeah. the stuff that they give mm-hmm. out to the people on the proles yes. to kind of like, I don't know, distract them. I guess. Yeah. So yeah. I did think that that was an odd choice, but I don't know if they were just kind of going for a shock factor type thing, mm-hmm. like um, just to kind of like make you feel a bit more disgust or something. Mm-hmm. I felt that was a little odd, but everything else was like on par with the book and like I said it just you even if you didn't know all the rules of everything that was going on like you felt you you really they did a good job of putting you in the book the setting yeah and that's that's kind of the thing about 1984 as a book is that really and we talked about this the main character is the setting yeah Winston is really just a vehicle for you to experience the setting. Yes, true. So I feel like um, that would make it easier to convert into a film. Because as long as you're creating Oceana, Mm -hmm. then that's 90% of the battle. Yeah, but they um, they do a beautiful job. Like when they go to the field, it is so vividly colored and it's Mm -hmm. so bright and especially near the end of the movie where they cut back between when he's being tortured, it's like black and white mm-hmm. to um, a scene where he's like in his head in that field. And it's so vibrant, like the the juxtaposition of those two like scenes. It's it, it, it's so well done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so I thought that was really good. It, it was obviously like, it's just a heart. It's a hard read just in the sense that it's, it's kind of crushing, you know, but, but, um, they didn't show as much torture, like, you Mm -hmm. know, and as, as many people being tortured. Yeah. So in that respect, it was a little nicer. Mm -hmm. Now, there were a couple liberties that they took with the end that kind of irked me. But otherwise, I think it was a very true representation of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I'm curious about your thoughts on that. But there was one scene that really stood out to me as like really good. Because for some reason, the scene in the book stood out to me, too. It was when Winston was talking about meeting that prole woman mm-hmm. in that alleyway. And like from a distance, how she, you know, had a lot of makeup and she actually looked kind of pretty to him. But then when he got closer and they got in the dark room, like as he got closer, you'd see, you know, the wrinkles and how the makeup was like caked on and all this stuff. In the movie, it it almost seemed like an optical illusion. It was really well done because, yeah, it's like the camera kind of does that sort of zoom. Like in this moment, it's like she looks young and pretty and then it'll zoom in. And as it's zooming, it's like she just tr- kind of transforms. Like you see the wrinkles and the layers of makeup. And it, it was just a really done, really well done. And uh, that was a scene for some reason that really stuck with me when I read it. Mm-hmm. And then so seeing it done so perfectly depicted I was like kudos guys (laughs) good job (laughs) yeah that was that's a very harrowing scene especially because he like talks about her mouth yes yes and nothing can cross the line into disgusting like the human mouth yes for some reason yeah I mean it's a very it's it's such a weird thing Mm because it's like we see other people's mouths all day long, mm-hmm. but nothing will gross me out more than like a funky mouth, a, a bad, a, a bad mouth. It sounds really strange. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know when you. I mean, it's kind of like when you say a word over and over and over, and it starts to starts to sound weird. Mm-hmm. The more you describe a mouth, yeah, with you know with descriptor words like obviously that's how you describe things but you know like the more adjectives you use yeah the more disgusting it can sound you know even if they aren't gross adjectives it's just when you combine them all together you're just like ew (laughs) yeah and and so then when you take it like the step farther and you're describing a gross mouth Mm -hmm. uh it's so off-putting to me yes yeah i yeah i don't know i i think I was scarred a little bit when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I was probably like 19. Uh, the job that I had, I worked with this woman. And I liked her a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought she was, a, like, cool. We worked together well. But she had a full denture plate for her top teeth. And mm-hmm. her bottom teeth were all just, like, in really, really bad shape. Mm. And she was only, like, 30. Aww. I think it was drug use in her younger years just like ruined her teeth but she like had surgery and had all of her bottom teeth removed Mm -hmm. and so directly after she had surgery Mm -hmm. because of like the incisions in her mouth and the stitches she couldn't wear her dentures oh no which what was like obviously this is a health thing yeah but she went around to everyone and had them look at her stitches and i was so disturbed no thank you i was like sarah you 
You must stop. (laughs) I cannot. I'm so sorry, but I cannot look at your mouth. Yeah. Well, it's like someone, like, lifting up a Band-Aid and be like, look at this gash. Yeah. Like, I'm like, (laughs) I was highly, highly disturbed. And I've always had a weird thing about teeth. Mm -hmm. Like, bad teeth really Mm -hmm. give me, like, that that tick, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... So my whole life, I've always had, like, a teeth thing. And mm-hmm. then the no teeth, I was like, <sighs> I, I'm, I've am i never been more stressed yeah, yeah. in my life. Yeah. And so the the woman in the book just yeah. made me think of Sarah. Yeah. Like, thinking yeah. of her. And, and, you, and you're not criticizing her or her, but it's just the act of being, ah, yeah. look at it. It's like, yeah, whoa. Lo- I don't need to see all that. Just post having all of her teeth removed. Yes. And I was 19. Yeah. I was, I didn't have a frontal lobe. There's no way I could have been equipped to deal with this stress. (laughs) As an adult, you know. Yeah. But also as an adult, don't show people your mouth wounds. Right. Right. That's like, oh, you like seafood? Uh, you know, it's yeah. there's just certain things you don't show people. Especially at your work. Yeah. No one would have criticized her or been bothered had no. she just, you know, lived life normal. But when you're like, hey, look at this. Yeah. And it's given me like a little bit of a complex mm-hmm. since then. Yeah. Like now I have like a, well, I've had a reoccurring dream for most of my life. Where my teeth fall out. Oh my goodness. I I have this dream regularly. Yeah. I haven't had I've in heard a while, of people having that dream. Like in the dream, I'm asleep mm-hmm. and I wake up and I can f- my teeth feel weird. So I run to my bathroom and I touch them and they fall out. No. My I have had this dream countless times but in I'm my life. I'm sorry. I know. It's a real complex that I have is the teeth. Someone would tell you that it means something, but I am not a a dream interpreter person but you know the the book there i'm sure there's a website out there that would tell you that it means something (laughs) yeah so i would never be able to like i've always said it like if my teeth start to like get bad i Mm -hmm. will go into debt and pay a monthly payment on Mm -hmm. teeth like screw those shits into my head like i'm (laughs) not gonna go with dentures that you take out i will never look at myself without teeth yeah that's i get i get that incredibly vain but i'm scarred yeah does it freak you out (laughs) to your nieces and nephew like look auntie maddie and like wiggly teeth and Mm -hmm. stuff like that nope that doesn't bother me at all oh okay good not at all i would think that that would be a thing where you're like huh (laughs) No, little kid teeth, totally fine. It's 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 adults. Adults, I get yeah. that. I get that. So, I've already told Dakota. Like, yeah. When these things go south, we're we're shelling out the cash. <laughs> yeah. Because I will never look at myself with no teeth. Yes. Yeah. Um, teeth teeth are important. You know, I I am very very incredibly lucky. I never had to have braces. Mm-hmm. I have not had a cavity or anything like that. You know, um, so I'm, I'm very thankful. Yeah. But yeah, um, any, if me or my husband need any sort of dental work, it's worth it. Like not just for appearance, but like for the health of your jaw and your face and your bones. Like, yeah, it's, it's good to have, to have that good going on, you know? (laughs) And when your teeth are bad, you are more likely to get 
actual sicknesses. Like, it contributes to illness and yeah. blah, 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 and humans yeah. and dogs. So, like, we always get the dog's t- teeth checked when we take Very them to the vet. smart. So, like, April just had her teeth checked last week. Yeah. So, uh, it's... Yeah, the teeth are very important. It's yeah. just, I know that people think it's vain when you're like, I never want to have dentures. I don't want to yeah. be able to take my teeth out. Like, yeah. I know it sounds vain, but I'm sorry. There, there, there's, I'm sorry. there are medical reasons behind it as well. Yeah. Truly. Really. Yeah. And I'm, it's just a thing. It's yeah. just my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it. So, but. now that you all know... <laughs> So I watched the whole movie. Maddie only saw how much of it did you watch? Um, I watched from when he's in room one oh one. Oh you to did the end. Okay. Yeah. So I watched him with like the rat cage on his Oh face. my god. I thought they because whenever I read the book, it was hard for me to conceptualize how they did the cage on his head. Uh-huh. And um how they separated him from the rats. Mm-hmm. Uh so the way that they did it, like it was like a tube off yes. of his face and there was just like a door. Like sec- segmented Segments, doors, yeah. Yes. I thought it was really well done, and yeah, uh, obviously John Hurt. John Hurt, and he's in the next movie we're going to talk about. Oh, he is. He is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so, what did what did you think of the ending? I was underwhelmed. I guess the the chess. I don't know. Uh, so for me, and if the book had ended this way, fine, Mm -hmm. but it didn't, it didn't, the book was very specific that That he had been, um, completely won back by Mm -hmm. big brother Mm -hmm. and he died thinking or saying, I love big brother. Exactly. That's the point, is the hopelessness. Yeah, yeah. But in the movie, which, like I said, if this would have happened in the book, I might have liked the ending a bit better. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I don't tend to like open endings, Mm -hmm. it would have left you with hope. Yeah. Because the movie has him sitting in a room, Mm -hmm. a dusty table, and he writes two plus two equals. He doesn't answer it. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of ends with him listening to... His own admission broadcast. Yeah. Um, and then the movie ends. Mm-hmm. So if you've read the book, you know that his death is coming. If you haven't, you would. I'm not sure how you would interpret that. Yeah. Um, but having read the book, I'm like, okay, so they're trying to leave it ambiguous, but with, with hope, I guess. But there really isn't any. Yeah. And I just, as much as I hated that he had been one back to Big Brother, I respected the finality of it. And mm-hmm. so it kind of annoyed me that the movie didn't go there. Yeah. And then also there was a moment when he was being tortured where he's – and I thought it was a cool interpretation, but I'm not sure, again, if that was the book's intention. He's – um you know that moment where he's with O'Brien and he's telling O'Brien, I love you, I love you, I love you. In the movie, he's saying it to O'Brien, but then all of a sudden the the view changes and it's him, he's looking at Julia in the field and saying it. Mm. So in the movie, it's almost like he's having a hallucination and is saying I love you to Julia. Whereas in the book, to me, it seems very clear he's saying it to O'Brien because mm-hmm. it's part of his reconditioning. He's yeah. He's yeah. loving his 
captor, his torturer, yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's much more disturbing almost. Mm-hmm. So, again, I thought it was a cool interpretation. I just didn't think it was completely true to the book. But overall, yeah. I would say it was a very good adaptation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I the ending, it, it was irksome just because it almost undermines the point. Yes. Because I think if you read 1984, the point of it is there was no hope from the beginning. Mm -hmm. So if you end it open like that, where the the viewer could think that Winston lives out the rest of his life or maybe holds on to Julia because he does interact with her Mm -hmm. in that scene. Um, But, and he doesn't even look at her, really. Not really. Which is... Is true to the, mm. I mean. Yeah. But. And they don't admit betraying each other, which was a big thing. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of a miss as well, actually. Yeah. But the the true essence of the book was mostly there. So yeah. I, in my mind, it was a good adaptation, but I just think that they missed the mark there at the end. Just fumbled it a little at yeah. the end. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. But on to a treasure that John Hurt participated in. <laughs> a true treasure. <laughs> Harry old, Potter. Whole HP. <laughs> it really is just, I mean, I people like to talk about the, the problems and the flaws and mm-hmm. the acting. And mm-hmm. I just don't care about any of it. It's just. I never had an issue with the acting. The only time I laugh is in <laughs> the third bu- uh, third movie where he's sitting there crying. <laughs> it's not funny. I'm sorry. He's crying after he finds out about who Sirius Black was to his family. You know, and mm-hmm. he's sitting there. <laughs> he was their friend and they betrayed him. He was their friend. Like, I was yeah. just like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. What happened? <laughs> Funny is that Prisoner of Azkaban is most Harry Potter fans' favorite movie mm-hmm. and book. Yes. And I find that strange, honestly. I think it's because that's when things really start to turn in a direction where you're starting to get some answers, some mystery. The mystery is like really gearing up or Mm -hmm. maybe even unraveling just a tiny hair. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the first two are kind of contained mysteries, whereas like in three, it really starts to thread to the ones after. That is my guess. And then as far as the movies are concerned, I think people like the tonal change. I found it jarring. It it was a little jarring. I felt like a tone change... Would have made sense for starting with movie five. Because Mm -hmm. that's when you... That's the true shift. Yeah. I I agree that three does... At the end, it leaves you with... Mm -hmm. We're we're propelling forward. And it is a darker story. It is. It is. I just feel like the jump was, was... in tone was was vast yeah. visually. I, uh-huh. I it was vastly different. Yeah. The set was even different. Yes, like and and of course, and all of that. we had a change in Dumbledore as well. Yeah. Not only an actor, but uh, the the style that they get. It just there were yeah. a lot of major visual changes that. True. So, and I think some people prefer that aesthetic. I personally think that Christopher Columbus or Chris Columbus. Um, 
he's a true treasure. And I just think he did such a good job. Mm -hmm. I think he captured that essence, that feeling, that warmth that those first two books especially have. Like, I just think he did such a phenomenal job. And they they do they those movies feel like you're sitting in a cozy room with a lit fire and i just love it and then the third one is rainy and cold <laughs> yeah it's true um and honestly whenever i am like in the mood for a rewatch mm-hmm. of harry potter i never go for the third one i mm-hmm. either watch the first mm-hmm. for like the vibes, <laughs> or I'll go with four or five. Oh, really? See, yeah. I have to start at one and go all the way through. I can't start in the middle. Oh yeah. I will say to your point of the fifth needing a tonal change. I do think we got one a oh, bit. I agree. With I think his name's David Yates is the director who I could be wrong about that, but actually I think you're right. I think it is because three or had David Heyman. There's David Yates yeah. and David Heyman. One of them is like the EP and okay. one of them is the director and okay. I don't know which one. I'm hoping I'm right. I could be wrong. Either way. Dave. Who cares? <laughs> Dave. But yeah, the third one had its own director and he made very specific choices that they actually stuck with, like with Flitwick and stuff, but that bothered me too. <laughs> yeah. I love, don't get me wrong. I love the third film, but there were just certain things that like were like, adjustments for Mm me and then the fourth one had its own director but the fifth one with dave (laughs) um he did the fifth to the end and i believe i remember hearing like that like political kind of dramas were in his wheelhouse or were Mm -hmm. things that he did and that's really kind of the tonal change that we get is like it gets more political and and all that stuff so i think he does a, a great job and i think it was a good choice to have him do the last yeah. four. Um, yeah. But I, I I, always do wonder, though, if what it would have been like if Chris would have done at least the first three or four. I wonder how he would have shifted the tone for the third mm-hmm. one um, and stuff like that. But, yeah, Philosopher's Stone, it... I don't know, just, it, I mean, it's your first introduction, so mm-hmm. it really is, like, your first impression, and I think it is just spot on. I agree. I think it's it's a really fun, obviously, it's for children. Mm-hmm. We all understand that, but it just feels fun and fanciful and whimsical, mm-hmm. and I think that's all you need mm-hmm. to really capture what the what that story is trying to do and of course the three main actors are really what you think of yeah ron was a little off Mm -hmm. punched up the um the comedy yeah but he still had a lot of heart uh, yeah you know and they they let him show it a bit more in the end yeah of the of the series but right he, I think visually, obviously, he's a redhead. Mm-hmm. So, I, what, you know, he's yeah. a true blue ginger. Yeah. Um, so, like those twins. <laughs> yeah. I never would have guessed that they were Me fake either. gingers. Me either. Because it's very, very difficult yeah. to get, tr- like, a 
to use hair color they, and they get did true ginge. Su- yeah, they did such a good job. Like that, it was a natural red hair. It looked like they were born ginger. Yes, yeah. I, it shook me a little bit. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, For wait, real. what do you mean? What? <laughs> brunette! <laughs> yeah, that's hard to achieve. Yeah. Especially Which, from brunette. It might be a little easier to get the ginger. Would I love to give that a whirl? For sure. Yeah. Would it probably look like a pumpkin? Yes. Would I possibly <laughs> still like it? Yes. Yes. But they also probably had professionals. and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, those poor boys probably had to touch up their roots every, <laughs> every yeah. week. I mean, and like Tom Felton. See, what's yeah. really crazy is that they nail the ginge so hard. But then the blonde, they, the blonde was just not blonding. Sweet boy needed a toner. Tone and that shit. Can please? you give him some like slightly darker roots? Even it would have, oh, it would have looked so yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I know in the, I'm pretty sure in the book that it's like described. Is it described as like frosty blonde? I think it's. Or is he just blonde? I, I mean, think I just. They, it's like It's called like pale blonde. Yes. Yeah. It's not described as like. Oh, he's mopping. Oh, God. <laughs> I was like, what is yeah. happening? We have one of those mops that, like, rings the mop. Makes sense. Okay, this got one. it. Um, yeah, I don't think it describes his blonde as being, like, white. White. Mm-hmm. But I also... But it doesn't describe it as being yellow. Yeah. Because you get that, like, uh, in, like, Throne of Glass, for example. Yeah. Aelin is, like, golden. Yeah. And Manon is white blonde. Yeah. So yeah. you have, like, golden and white blonde. Which is funny because on the cover of the books, they, her hair is white. I know. And so that's how I picture her, even though I know that's not yeah. right. But I, I just feel like, especially near the end when he was aging a little bit and his hair was changing. Like, yeah. That poor boy. I just feel like they could have done a better job on his hair color. Like, I agree. It didn't have to look like flat straw. Like, yeah. Tom, yeah. you deserve he's, better. And he's like a rich kid. Yeah. You know? Like. He shouldn't look like he box dyed it in his bathroom despite his parents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. Get, give our boy Tom some good hair. Yeah. Please. I Tom do- Felton, not Tom Riddle. Yeah, Tom Felton. <laughs> Just in the case actor. we're confusing people. <laughs> <laughs> in the last film, I think it, his hair looks the best. Yeah, I think you're right. There's like at the like in the very last film, like after like. Is it just because he's dirty and it looks I, like he has some some variation he's dirty going? And he's like there. disheveled a little. Yeah. So it it looks better. Yeah. But and I mean, uh, Half Blood Prince. Hmm. Is also a little better because it's like styled. Yeah, and he's wearing. I don't know why they have him wear a fucking suit though. (laughs) He's a dapper boy this year. Yeah, he's He's, a man now. He's like wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase. Like, what is he a fucking accountant? (laughs) Come on, these are wizards. Put them in robes. Oh my god, he's not doing someone's taxes. Maybe that was a other task <laughs> that the Dark Lord gave him. It just... Uh, that was the real reason the Malfoys got punished, because he didn't do his taxes correctly. That's right. The IRS <laughs> is coming down on him. That was, I understand that, like, in the books, it does talk about them out of school, like, wearing mm-hmm. muggle clothes. Yeah. That makes sense, but he's literally on the train to Hogwarts, 
in a full suit and tie. Yeah. yeah. Talk about <laughs> he won't be doing charms class. Blah, 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 blah. Whatever. What? Come on. Stop it. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Please. Yeah. With the tie. <laughs> Yeah, you know, whatever though. We're It's a spectacular movie. The music is Come on. Perfection? Yes, it is. It's icon literally it is iconic mm-hmm. m- music. It doesn't matter how many times I watch it. The second that that Warner Brothers logo starts to like swoop up and that music swells, I get an emotional feeling and yeah. maybe Especially in the right moment, I will get a couple little misty, misty tears in my eyes. It just, it moves me. Yeah. It moves me. It's, yeah, it's like the, the child. Yeah. It's like not, well, I guess, how old was I when this came out? 2001, I was 11. So when the Sorcerer's Stone came out originally, I was 11. Mm -hmm. I saw it in theaters with my friends one of uh, our one of our friends had a birthday around the time it was in theaters. And we mm-hmm. all like went, which is was excellent. Because yeah. when you're 11, you don't get to go to the midnight showings. No, and I don't think they even did one for like the first movie. or I two. think you're right. Yeah, but yeah. So I remember going, and you're like in the theater, little tiny 11 year old <laughs> me. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> And the, that's the first time you hear the music ever. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. It is stirring emotions in me I did not think were oh possible. <laughs> it was just mind blowing. So great. I think Lauren was there. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. I know. Lauren and I have been palling it up since fourth grade. I still need to meet my neighbor. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Philosopher's Stone. It's so, it's like, it's a Halloween film and mm-hmm. a Christmas film. Yep. We always watch it in the fall. Yep. We watch all the Harry Potters and all the Lord of the Rings once a year in the fall. Yep. Between Halloween and Christmas. It's the perfect time of the year to watch all of those. Yeah. I feel like Lord of the Rings could maybe be end of summer, mm-hmm. but. Harry Potter 100% is between Halloween and Christmas. Definitely, definitely. I just, uh, you know, summer is the worst. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't like to place things I love in the summer because I hate summer. I get it. I'm not a, I don't hate summer. I'm not a fan of summer. Mm -hmm. I really, and it sounds like the most basic girl thing of me, but fall really is my favorite season. I love the changing colors and Mm -hmm. I love the temperatures. Yeah. The cooler ones, anyway, when it starts to kind of be that in between. Mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of rain, mm-hmm. I, and I don't, I, I don't want it super hot, and I don't want it super cold. I just want some pretty colors and some in between temperatures that I can wear layers and scarves. Yeah, I don't even have to wear the scarves, but I at least want to be able to wear jeans and a sweatshirt and yeah. be comfortable. Fall and winter are very close for me because mm-hmm. I also really love the snow. I love a pretty snow. So. I don't like driving in it, but I, I love a pretty snow. Just yeah. everything covered, mm-hmm. especially when it's fluffy. Yeah. It's not icy, so it's like, I mean, icy can be pretty too, but when it's just laid on the, the ground just right in the trees and it, yeah. the sun glistens, oh, it's beautiful. I love the snow. So I really enjoy winter, and I like cool temperatures, mm-hmm. like... My max is probably like 68. Yeah. If it never breached 70, 70, I would 
That's the perfect place for me. Very true. Now, air conditioning is different for yeah. me personally. I, I, my house doesn't need to be in the 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the outdoor weather, yeah, it's that's... Mwah, yes, yeah. please. <laughs> I know, which is why living in the Midwest, is, I, I need a place to go in the summer. Like, people like to travel south mm-hmm. to the warmth in the winter. They call them snowbirds. Yeah, we're we're traveling north for the I'm, summer. <laughs> I'm a reverse snowbird. Yes. I am traveling away from the warmth. Yes. It's just the problem is that the sun, the sun is not kind to me. Nor me. And I don't like to be sweaty. It makes it's just not comfortable. No. Like, who wants to be damp sticking together? All the time. Yeah. People who live in Florida maybe. No. Are you guys damp all the time? I feel like you'd be damp all the time. And there's and the bugs. I hate the bugs in the summer. The ticks. Ugh. Ugh. See, so yeah, no. Yeah. It summer is not my favorite. I know that's like everyone loves summer. Yep. I am not these girls. Not me. No, 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 no. I need to be North. I need to be like in Canada during this time of the year. I would love or to like Iceland. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna make Reykjavik my summer home. That That's would be capital. awesome. I agree. Or like Edinburgh. Yeah, I think it's pretty. It's it might even be more north than Iceland. Nice. Or at least equal. Equally north. If I never make it there, just please send me pictures when you go. Because I know you'll you'll make it there before I do. <laughs> it might be next on the list, honestly. Perfect. Dakota's been, like, sending me, like, reels of just pans of downtown Edinburgh. Right. And I'm like... Why are you doing this to me if you're not going to take me there? <laughs> are we moving? Are we going? <laughs> what is this? Because there's one that's, like... The shot is from inside a coffee shop, and it's mm-hmm. just, like, the window, and there's just, like, rain, and it's so dark and moody, and I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> why? Don't am, tease me. <laughs> why am I from Missouri? Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is a mistake. This was a mistake. <laughs> I was actually meant to be from over there. Right. <laughs> That's clear. My skin tells the true story. <laughs> yes. I'm literally, like... If I am in the sun too long, I get literal hives, like on my shoulders Aww. and chest. See, if I, I mean, I get, I get sunburned pretty easily, but more so if I just overheat, if I get hot, I turn into a red tomato. It's not sunburn. It comes from the inside. <laughs> Other people look, you know, normal, maybe a little flush in the sun. I look like I'm about to burst with lava i look like i'm swollen and red and sweaty it's not cute (laughs) (laughs) i have i have a tendency to go very red too but i think in recent so i haven't always reacted that way to the sun Mm -hmm. like but hives that's so painful i'm so sorry and it's just in like on my shoulders and like my chest and it's hives not blisters they right it's hives gosh i mean either one would be terrible but yeah because it's all it started when i was like 25 Mm -hmm. and it's gotten better i've noticed this year specifically the couple of times that i've been outside for a longer period of time 
it wasn't as bad, but I still like got some. Yeah. It's just, it's just unpleasant. It is. Speaking of unpleasant things. Yeah. <laughs> perfect segue. Queen of the segue. <laughs> right into oh. our very last film to talk about is The Hobbit. Now, we have a great cast, a great director, a beautiful scenery, but the story just misses the mark. It does. We, we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about Discovery of Witches. Do not add things. Mm -mm. I, I don't know if the things they added are from other texts from J.R.R. Tolkien, but they are not part of the Hobbit story. Mm -hmm. They threw Legolas in for nostalgia bait. I I don't Which understand. They really just... I don't know if it was the studio or Peter Jackson who wanted three films, but three... you They could have done it in one, but they mm -hmm. definitely could have done it in, in two. two. Yeah. It didn't need to be a trilogy. Mm-mm. But in doing so, they gave themselves so much extra time that they added all this extra crap in there. Yeah. Yeah. The third one is my absolute least favorite. Mm. And I only watched the first one. It doesn't um, get better. Maybe the yeah. second one is the most accurate, but even... I can't even remember. I I have not gone back to watch yeah. these. Mm -hmm. That show because I love this world. I yeah. love the aesthetic. We all know this. Mm -hmm. I do not go back to visit these. Yeah, and it makes me sad. Yeah, they could have done it such perfect justice. Yeah, and I think they lost totally lost the essence of the Hobbit book mm -hmm. completely. Yeah, it. They they, they went literally too, all of it. They went too far in the trying to appeal to a kiddish nature. And I'm not saying that they were trying to make it for kids, but like the way that they designed the dwarves mm -hmm. yeah. and Ugh. and certain behaviors and like jokes. Like it just it felt too exaggerated campy or something. Yes. It it, it, they turned the dial too far the other way. Mm -hmm. They did. It's what's so weird about that choice is because what the way that they designed the dwarves was so over the top, and the the prosthetics, the hair—they just all of looked it, pointy and they, gangly and weird. They just look so strange, and it they did look cartoonish in, mm -hmm. in a way mm -hmm. but the movie around them was not in line with the way they looked like mm -mm. the movie around them was trying too hard to be serious it mm -hmm. took itself too serious because mm -hmm. the book the hobbit is not serious it's mm -hmm. like fun and funny and kind of like and it, and it has serious moments or i don't even know if you call them serious just like i don't know there's there's a there's danger danger that comes yes along, yes right? and or just they're 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 going through trials yes but it's still I mean you have elves lips 
uh, singing in trees and and whatnot. Goblins sing. Everybody sings songs. Yeah, and dwarves (laughs) stuffed in barrels floating down the river. Like these are like very like whimsical kind of not silly, but I was gonna say whimsical versus silly, and they just went too far on the silly goofy side. With the dwarves. Yeah. And then the movie around them is very serious. Mm -hmm. They're going, they were going for Lord of the Rings too hard. Mm -hmm. And yet still trying to give it its own tone. But in doing so, they missed, they missed, they missed the tone for me. (laughs) Yeah. I was expecting it to be what The Hobbit was, Mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, reading Lord of the Rings is not fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Watching Lord of the Rings is also not fun mm-hmm. because, but there is still levity. There is in Lord of the Rings. Yes, there. And there's the celebrations and 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 that stuff, yeah. and they're able to do jokes and have fun moments without it feeling. Uh, not to use the same descriptors, but like campy or goofy. Like it, right? It, it never... feels genuine. Yes. Whereas yes. it doesn't feel genuine in The Hobbit. Right. And, yeah, that's... Lord of the Rings is very special, movies and books. And the way that Lord of the Rings is very serious, tonally, most of the time. Yeah. But you get your, like, whimsy from, like, the elves Mm -hmm. and... Hobbit shenanigans. Hobbits, yeah. Your hobbits kind of lighten the mood and the elves give you, like... Your little like whimsy, or so give you, you get, a break from yeah. <laughs> so you get that ethereal kind of mm-hmm. otherworldliness in mm-hmm. the story from the elves, and then the hobbits bring you into more of like the fun, cozy, lightheartedness, Merry mm-hmm. and Pippin, right? Mm-hmm. But there's still like the through plot that's very serious, like mm-hmm. the entire world's on the line still. Mm-hmm. But in the Hobbit. You don't have that seriousness mm-hmm. or um, the stakes aren't that high. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a lot lighter mm-hmm. in tone. Mm-hmm. So that's what I expected from the film. Yeah. It did not deliver. <laughs> although I do think that the actor who played Bilbo was perfect. Martin Freeman did an excellent job. He was the perfect Bilbo. Mm-hmm. And... Obviously, Sir Ian McClellan. Come on. Yep. And they didn't need to add Legolas because you had Gandalf. Yeah. Uh, Exactly. Exactly. And he was almost like their pursuer. Like, Mm -hmm. he's their, not enemy, but... I mean, the elves are kind of like, they capture them at one point. Right. So... Right. Right. But yeah, they have, like, Legolas is not, like part of the fun like he's chasing them in the movie which is it's so crazy because in the book they're not being chased yeah not really they're they're going toward a goal right no one is like chasing them. right they they are in the end then it's they the goblins sort of catch up to them but i don't know that they were in hot pursuit yeah it's it's, just sort of like they heard about it and were like ah yes this is a fine opportunity exactly i that's whereas in the movie they had 
this rando white orc that we added this backstory And the orcs are all, like... Because the orcs are pursuing them because of Thorin. Correct. Yeah. Because Thorin chopped off off that guy's arm arm. (laughs) before the events that we're experiencing in The Hobbit. Yeah. Which, none of this, not even in Tolkien lore. This guy... He's not in lore anywhere? He is. This guy's name is Azog. So, he is... He is in the story, but he is in one of the appendices okay. to Return of the King, I think. He's not anywhere near Thorin no. or his crew. And he actually isn't even anywhere near the Lord of the Rings timeline. He's even before the timeline of The Hobbit. Wow. So I don't, I don't know what this... I read his backstory. Mm-hmm. They probably thought, ooh... He sounds menacing and dangerous and like yeah. a cool looking character. Yeah, this Let's is. Let's go for him. He is a creation of Tolkien, but was dead long before the events of The Hobbit, and many of his scenes were invented for the films. And I, yeah. when you have an amazing book like The Hobbit, and you have these scenes that you can interpret to film mm-hmm. well, yeah. and you. I still think they cut some things out. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because even the reason that they capture the elves, I mean, not that I would have wanted to watch the runaround, but I don't remember them, like, chasing lights. I think it's, you know, and, and it being the misinterpretation that they were trying to attack them. I, they get captured by the elves for some other reason, I think. But it's, again, it's been a while. I could be wrong. But it's just, they could have done... Like, just like a one-to-one comparison. They had the time. They were able mm-hmm. to stretch this movie over, or this book over more than one movie. Yeah. And <laughs> they decided to do it three, and they had to add so much stuff that I think it just distracted from Yeah. the story itself. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't make any, any sense whatsoever. And I, since I didn't watch the other two films, I don't actually know what else they changed but i know you said there's like a love triangle and yes there's a so there's um an elf that falls for i think it's either philly or killy he's like in the movie you know he's one of the hot dwarves yeah you know which they are never described as in the books there's no like oh he's young and hot they all look the same and have beards they're just young yeah that's it but yeah, so there's a love interest with one, you know, one of the elves with one of the hot dwarves. And then the Battle of Five Armies. It's a huge battle driven. Now, yes, Thorin does um, go a bit mad because of his greed. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an anger and he, you know, he's mixed up in feeling betrayed and a little bit, you know, swayed by all that gold he's been swimming in, you know, but in the movie, they make it seem like the Arkenstone has like corrupted his mind Mm -hmm. and he's like not himself. And like, there's this huge battle and it's so dragged out. It's, Oh my God. It's so dragged out. And then it's, barely you don't really get to and maybe you do at the end of it but it's just like it 
it's not that like camaraderie of like, okay, guys, we were at odds. We got to come together and beat these goblins. Like it felt like a coming together in a tense moment in the book. Whereas this was like this big, long drawn out thing. And then it's like, Oh, I don't even remember if it was like, I guess we'll all fight the bad guys together. Or if it just like, and I don't know. And then like how you see, the hot dwarf die and the elf is like holding him and sad and it's just ugh, dumb. It, yeah. it made me so annoyed. I know they die in the book. But uh, yeah. I just, I don't like it. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, I want you to watch it only simply so you can understand my extreme pain. dislike, but yeah. I don't want you to go through that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe one day uh, I'll have some time and I'll be like, you know what? Sure. The, <laughs> I think the main thought, other than my, I could not get over the white orc. I yeah. could not get over that. I it's was one like, of those why is he here? Why? This is silly. Because I looked it up as soon as I like saw him on screen. I was like, who are you? <laughs> what is this? So I had to know, and I looked and I was like, oh, you've been dead for a hundred years prior to the events of The Hobbit. Sick. <laughs> You're a ghost. <laughs> you do not exist in yeah. this world anymore. Right. Um, so that was a huge distraction for me th- through the entire film. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't stop thinking to myself, why am I watching this? I should just watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. Because like there's enough of... The Lord of the Rings tone, yeah, that it just made me want to watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I had zero care about what was happening yeah. in The Hobbit. Yeah, I was like, well, I'll just pop on Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so that's never what you want. No, they never. just yeah, it didn't need to be three movies, and I think it was to its detriment. <sighs> yeah, it was all to its detriment, to be honest. Peter Jackson, ugh, how can you be the arbiter of the best book-to-film adaptation on record? <laughs> Literally the best. It Lord of the Rings has never been outmatched as far as book-to-film, especially for the fantasy genre specifically. Mm, yeah. Unmatched, and I will hear no argument. From any of you. <laughs> so don't even try. Don't even try. You will <laughs> never convince me otherwise. So Peter Jackson did them, and everyone's like, this is the pinnacle. This is mm-hmm. the precedent. Oh. He's on this pedestal, <laughs> and then he takes over the Hobbit, and he gives us garbage. And so now it's like, Peter. <laughs> Peter, why? You have ruined your own legacy. <laughs> With the same world. And I want to blame the, I want to blame the producers or the company or someone else besides Peter, but I don't know that we can. I need to look into it more, but. Yeah. Who is responsible? Everyone's to blame. (laughs) Yes. Everyone is at fault here. I will say I did like the inclusion is it in the first one or the last one? Where you get this sweet little scene with Frodo and Bilbo. 
Yeah, that happens in the in okay. The, in so the yeah, I I thought that was a cool way to start it, just like a little nostalgia pop. I agree. I agree. I thought that was cute having him and Frodo mm-hmm. like interacting, and he's writing, and it's like the events right before the beginning yeah. of Fellowship. Right. So I liked that. It was like mm-hmm. that nod. Yeah. Which I always appreciate a good like nod to yes. other things in that like world. Yeah. That but, was the only thing that was added that I accepted. And it might have, it's probably just me. I know that people age, duh, but Orlando Bloom, one, being included in the film when he should not have been, Legolas mm-hmm. is not in the story. Yeah. But he is clearly older. And elves don't age, guys. You know, like I said, I know he's a real human being in real life, but... This is why you it, it don't was also need to di- add. Yeah, it was also just distracting to me. I was yeah. like, he's clearly older. Listen. Looks different. Doesn't need to be here. So many years have passed between when they filmed Lord of the Rings and when they filmed The Hobbit. Because even though the last Lord of the Rings came out in, what, 2003? Mm-hmm. They filmed them all at once. Right. So... That they didn't have, like, I think it's probably the aging situation, mm-hmm. especially for, like, the elves. Mm-hmm. So they filmed them all at once and then obviously just released. Mm-hmm. So you Edited have, and released and did all that jazz. Yeah, yeah. so you have, like, <laughs> 11 years of aging on someone mm-hmm. when he was already, like, 20s. Yeah. So now he's, like, approaching 40, <laughs> yeah. playing Legolas again. Come on. Yeah. Uh, well, that it was such a bummer, dude. <laughs> that was it. Really, it it bummed. It yeah. bummed hard. Yeah. Ugh. At least we got to go back to the Shire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it didn't feel the same. It didn't feel the same. I know. Yeah. It just uh, it it, it was a bummer. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever experienced a bigger bummer book to film and mm. I think not I don't think so I feel like I maybe thought of one the other day when we were talking about this but it's not well, coming I guess to mind Game of Thrones is a much bigger bummer <laughs> oh god that is a heaping yeah. pile of trash the whole the whole thing yeah. now I didn't care as much about it but I thought Miss Peregrine's home for peculiar children or mm. whatever mm-hmm. not mm. good They changed things that didn't need to be changed, and it just totally missed the mark for me. I think that's where a lot of these studios go wrong, and I think they get very caught up in Mm -hmm. making the story fit like Hollywood instead of just attempting to actually capture the essence of what they're adapting. Which is a dumb thing to do, right? Because they chose to make these films into, or these books into films Mm -hmm. because of their popularity. Popularity. So why are you changing things? I know. It's like they never learn. It's, it's such a weird problem. Like, like you said with Discovery of Witches, how it feels like they created it so that it would be for people. Like, if you hadn't read the books, that's so dumb. Yeah. I think there's a good balanced way to do it for both. There is. And I think I, I would probably skew way heavy to like cater to the, to the book people. Mm -hmm. But I mean, 
You need to, like, and I will say on the other side of that, um, for, like, Harry Potter, a thing that irks me is in the last film, he has that shard of glass. Mm -hmm. As a moviegoer, you have no You have no idea what that is. Clue what it is, where it came from, why, and how it works. You have no idea what it is. And even as a book reader, like, if you... If you didn't remind someone, like, they're going off the story of the movie, so they're also going, wait, huh? Oh, oh, yeah, that's the... Yeah. That, that to me, was such a... a, a you missed both parties, almost. Like... Yeah. You... <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It was a very weird move, because on that's why reading or adapting the book to the film... Especially in a series like that where mm. old things are going to come up later. Yes. There's so much foreshadowing. The mirror is a perfect example because they chose not to include that in book five whenever it is brought up. Mm-hmm. and they, But they have to include it in the last one because how else are they getting out of Malfoy Manor? Yeah. And they could have retroactively like just had him find it in... The House of Black somewhere, or in the headquarters somewhere. Yeah, like when they or go something, back the and then he sees yeah. someone on the other side, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, keep, you know, keep this. It looks yeah. like Dumbledore, you know. Yeah, just have him find it. Just let us know where the flipping heck he got. Yeah, <laughs> or just in the scene in Order of the Phoenix when he's talking to Sirius mm-hmm. after Christmas. Just have Sirius give him the mirror. Yeah, or a gift that he doesn't open. Like in the book. But my only thought was like, oh, well, maybe they didn't know that it was important. But I feel like even if the that book hadn't come out when the movie did, which I can't remember if it had. But even still, it's like you have the writer on tap like the writer should have been like, hey. Psst. Yeah. Well, and I just have him give him a box. Why? <laughs> it's important. I, I believe the fifth movie premiered the same year. That the seventh book was released. Then there was no reason. It uh, it did premiere, I think, the same month. Yeah. Because I was in L.A. Right. And I right. have, like, Now, the granted, the book came out, or the movie came, was already made when that book came out. But right. Still, but like I said, when you have a whole team that, like, knows the sitch... Somebody's yeah. got to be like, hey, this is important later, guys. And the writer is an EP on this film. Yes. Like, by the time they were filming Order of the Phoenix, the Deathly Hallows book was definitely done. Yeah. It was yeah. finished. Yeah. It was in the editing process yeah. when they were filming it. She knew it came back up again. Yeah. Someone should have been like, you have to put the mirror in this film. Right. And, and maybe she tried and they it, were just it, like. That's true. They were like. That's true. Hush, we don't have time for that. Yeah, and that's the shortest film <laughs> of all the films. Is it really? Order of the Phoenix is the shortest film. It's the longest book and shortest film. Nonsense. Absolute begrudgery. Ugh. We, we, we could go down the spiraling rabbit hole we I were only really supposed to do. You fully know. spiral. Five books. But Full Sorry, spiral. guys. But. Um, yeah. You. Okay. Yeah. Everything. I wasn't trying to cut you off. No, no, I just I, I just realized I was like we could literally do this for five more hours. I know. There's <laughs> just, you know, so much to be said. And yes. We will get to all of the specifics. 
Yes. We can critique something very heavily that we love deeply and yeah. still enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. I that's I think that's the unique thing about being like in like into books and especially into books that are also a fandom mm-hmm. is you can love and hate something at the same time. Yes. That's where you really like. Yeah. And that's like one of the things that everybody in every fandom does. Yep. They zero in on the minutia of yeah. everything and we love it so hard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like Yeah. It's it's wild. All every single fandom I've ever experienced. And mm-hmm. really it's like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones are like mm-hmm. the three mm-hmm. main ones that mm-hmm. I like have consumed a lot of stuff on. Yes. Um there's a really great Game of Thrones podcast called Bend the Knee. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. It's so excellent. Um, they really get in the weeds, like, nice. Because since the books aren't finished, you can go everywhere. Yeah, and because there's and speculation yes, and stuff like that. Very there's cool. Like, and all the books are so large, and there's so much stuff you mm-hmm. can theorize and go here and there and here and there. So that's like what they do, and it's like when I don't want to listen to a book on Audible while I'm at work, I'll listen to Bend the Knee. Yeah. Because I can just, like, listen to it, and I've already consumed, like, watched the whole show, I've read all the books, so mm-hmm. I can just listen nice. to them talk about it. Yeah, it's wild. Cool. It's very cool. <laughs> you guys, Winds of Winter will be here sometime, so, so soon. And if not, I've already decided that Maddie's going to write it instead. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, if I were to finish... Winds of Winter, and then move on to A Dream of Spring. You're not getting a Jon Snow-Daenerys relationship. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I never hated anything more in my life. It was horrid. <laughs> it was so repulsive. I didn't even watch the show, and I even was like, oh, guys, I don't know about that. And at that, But at that point in the story, you're already desensitized to, like, the incestuous relationships. True. So the aunt-nephew thing almost felt like a breath of fresh air because at least they weren't siblings. Yeah, you're like, at least there's some separation. <laughs> so They don't share as much DNA. Yeah, so Ew. that Yuck. wasn't... That aspect was not the repulsive part of their relationship. I just didn't Them as like characters. It. I was so yeah. confused. And also, I'm living in, like, the where the books end. Mm-hmm. Like, they've never even met. He's not even confirmed to be her relative. Yeah. He's still, yeah. like, a bastard Stark. Yeah. So, in my brain, I'm just like, nope. It's not canon. I reject it. I reject <laughs> it. And it just felt so forced. It was like, yeah. they meet in one episode, and by the end of it, they're, like, in love. Yeah. <sighs> So, yeah. like I nope. said, they're just like, hey, two two hot actors. Let's uh, let's couple them up. Yeah, sick. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you're like, yes, it was sick. Yeah, I hated it. <laughs> it made me physically ill. Yes. So, um, but yeah, that's a whole other conversation. We may read some Game of Thrones on this show sometime, yeah. but yeah, it's so much of a commitment. It like, is. Every single one of the books is more than a thousand pages. I need to take some vacation from work. <laughs> yeah. The audiobooks are really good, though. 
Like, cool. the narrator is very good. He's not Jim Dale, mm-hmm. but he's still very good. Awesome. So, there's that. Nice. You know, but it's very, very involved. It, it's because it's a high fantasy. Yeah. So, it's High exactly fantasy, lots of detail. So much. So, you know, it's, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. But you also will need a palate cleanser because yeah. it's so, like... Doom and gloom and zero levity. Oh, God. Zero. (laughs) I'm painting a very good picture. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, speaking of levity and palate cleansers, not that you needed one from uh, The Hobbit, but our next book is is quite a a light heart. Yes. A lighthearted piece. So Mm -hmm. it is. It's going to be a good one. Doing a little YA Love match. Love match. <laughs> it's very YA. Yeah. But it's it's a good one. It's good. Yeah. Oh, just spoiler so. alert. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, But I guess we, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. And yeah. don't watch The Hobbit if you haven't seen it. Just, yeah. just watch Lord of the Rings again. And, uh... Read books. Yay! (laughs) Goodbye! Bye!